Hey guys, and welcome back to yet another episode of Talking with A and C. That's Andrew and Chris. Guess what? I'm Andrew, <laughs> and I'm Chris. How are you guys? How, <laughs> they can't how answer. How are you guys? I just wanted to ask them how they're doing. Answer it. We're doing great, and we have a great episode for you today. We actually just finished recording it with Nick Kubli of the internationally touring reggae band Pacifier. And we use that term reggae, not lightly, but uh, only enough to let them play the reggae festivals. Right, as you'll learn in this conversation. Uh, I mean, what, what can I say? Every time we get someone in the reggae scene on this podcast, we say the same thing. And because it's true, we're learning time and time again. And time and time and time and time again. They're super nice people. They are the hardest workers ever. They're very determined. And they were nice enough to be on our podcast. So please show your love to Pacifier. Check them out. They got a busy 2020 lined up, as you'll learn in this episode. Check out all the new music they will be releasing and have already released. And, and thank you again to Nick for uh, for being a part of this show. Yeah, and speaking of music, we have a band. We love talking about it. I hope you guys love hearing about it because we're going to be talking about it every episode. It's called The Stash, and we're still making music. That is promo code T H E S T A S H. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm listening type, to type way that too many promo podcasts. code into Spotify, and you'll get all of our music right there. It's <laughs> for, incredible. For a simple payment of whatever their monthly membership. Whatever is. you're paying for Spotify, you will still be paying that if you use the promo code the stash in the search bar where you search for songs. But no, for real, like that that is what we're we're trying to do with our lives. So the fact that any of you listen is is crazy and amazing, and we appreciate it. And if you haven't checked it out yet, we'd be really thankful if you did. Yeah, and we appreciate you checking out at least this episode of our podcast. And if mm-hmm. you'd like to check out upwards of 25 or more episodes of this podcast, this is the 31st episode. And for those listening, I think we should let them know we've had episodes with Greg Shields of Cashed Out, Howie Spangler of Ballyhoo, Vanalia of Vanalia. Tunnel Vision. Tunnel Vision. Hate from Tunnel Vision. Gabo of Fayuka. If you guys like the list goes on. This reggae scene, bumping uglies. If you guys like this reggae scene as much as we do, we got a lot of that for you. As well as other great artists we've we've spoken to. And creators. To uh, I don't know, is disc jockeys outdated? Speaking about fish. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. I think he'd really like that. We've spoken to uh, famed disc jockey of Adobe Radio, Mike Fish. Um We've even covered some heavy bands like uh, Fit for a King. We spoke with Ryan. Uh, there's a up. bunch of stuff. Yeah, come on. Pop punky. We, we've got it all. You name it, we've got it. And so we appreciate you guys being here because that means you do know about this show and that means you are giving it a chance. So yeah. so if you want to follow us on all the social medias, for the band, it's at the Stash NY, anywhere that matters. And for the podcast, it's at Talkin' Podcast, no G. No G's here. No G's here. This is Tacoma by Pacifier on Talkin' Podcast. Make me miss what I'm missing 
that is one thing we do before we start every episode is we take a quick sip. If you're welcome to join us. You don't have to, but we will be taking a quick sip. Really? Yeah, I've been um, drinking coffee. So. There you go. There you go. You've been sipping. Yeah, you've been yeah. sipping. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. So, uh, dude, thanks for thanks for being a part of this, man. We're, we're thrilled to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so... What, what's been new you know like we've had a lot of the reggae bands in, in your scene on the show so far and first off I just got to say like you guys are the most welcoming and inviting scene that I've ever you know encountered I, I we grew up in like the punk rock scene uh, Andrew yeah. and I and uh, you know everyone's super friendly until like your band starts falling off and then no one wants to hear from you anymore or conversely <laughs> your band starts doing better than everyone else's band and then they're like oh well whatever I mean they're not even good like they can't even play yeah um, like yeah, yeah the amount of times well, I've heard commu- <laughs> yeah it's it's terrible man like the amount of times I grew up at shows and saw like the local band that was on the come up preach community and and you know like coming out and supporting every show that's happening and then the second they like sign or or do like their first real tour or whatever because because we're from Poughkeepsie New York and so we've had a few bands come through like Matchbook Romance and Just Surrender and I'm not saying those guys like are the ones that have done that but like there's there's been a few smaller ones too and the second they get like their slightest grasp of like cool this could become something see you later drop my number yeah why is that though it's I, I I really want to know that because I feel I've always thought that like the most competitive genre seemed to be rap because they were always just shit talking each other and being being like right. I'm the greatest <laughs> of all time or whatever and I'm like yeah. okay that makes sense yeah. it's all about you know that but it's like punk yeah. rock is all about like sticking it to the man and it's like I'm not the man <laughs> like, I know I'm with yeah. you That's, I know I feel like most bands though if they're in the situation where they can like quote unquote sell out or whatever they're gonna do it regardless of how much shit they talk to some other band. oh hundred percent. I mean, I mean, I guess I would, I would do it, yeah. But I would try to do it in a way where I would still like, if I threw like a holiday show and I could have like a local opener play, like I would do that. You know, right. I wouldn't just be like, right. Let's bring our friends from like Florida up because like they're badass and they'll sell an extra few tickets. Like if you already know the show's gonna be sold out, like you might as well try and throw a bone wherever you can. Yeah. And I just don't see yeah. much of that in the punk scene on the local For level. Sure. Yeah, but reggae yeah. artists are just not only like super nice to everybody but they're always so welcoming to new artists like i feel like every artist we've talked to from the reggae scene has been like yeah i like started doing music and then this band was like hey you're really awesome you should just come on tour with us and then i was like it was that easy (laughs) yeah pretty much is everybody is everybody has been really cool to everyone so far i don't know what you attribute that to but um i don't know it feels like one big family you know, the the layman would say it's the weed, but weed is in all music genres. <laughs> that <is true. laughs> yeah, that's very true. I mean, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, it definitely doesn't, doesn't hurt. Man. So, like, let, let's talk about, we don't know much about the members of Pacifier. Andrew and I are obviously okay. just, you know, fans of the genre. So, of course, we've we've stumbled upon and, you guys. And the music. And, yeah, yeah, and the music. But, like, so so where did you guys begin? Where did Pacifier first start? I know that you and your brother are both in this band together, holding down the rhythm section. So, so why don't you take us back? You know, sort of paint the picture for us, if you will. Um, we're based out of uh, Savannah, Georgia, and Ted and I met while we were both in college at the uh, Savannah College of Art and Design. And um, I was a year ahead of him, so I lived off campus. I had my own apartment, and I had a drum set set up. And then once Ted found out about that he was over there all the time and we were jamming 
and that's kind of how the band started. And then he had, um, he was in a sound design class, so he had some studio time booked for a project, but he didn't really have anyone to record. So um, we went in there and did a few songs that he had written, and then you know we kind of fleshed out, and that was that was it. That was the beginning of the band, and that was uh, 2003. Damn! So you guys sort of met in college then. Yeah, yeah. And you all went um, to that school. Uh, no, just me and Ted. So, um, Will is our third bassist and Mike is our second keyboard player. So our first keyboard player, Adam, he was in that initial recording session as well. Okay. So, so basically, you know, we don't hear of, at least you're the only reggae band I know of from Savannah, Georgia. Same. So how does one stump? I mean, yep. you're not you're not entirely reggae, right? Obviously, I mean, like yeah, we're like barely reggae. It, yeah, I just <laughs> reggae feel like enough I guess... to be included in the festivals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. don't tolerate us. You you guys hit the prog, I think, a little bit, and, and like you know, like you have like the you know the indie rock side, but mm-hmm. like where does this combination come from out of Savannah, Georgia? Like like what were the influences, and is this something that like yeah, because felt in the room or because you guys this, like, definitely uh, transcend a lot of genres, but it seems like there's always at least a sprinkle of reggae in every song. Right, and that's why I think I go there. Yeah, when yeah, I exactly. when I try yeah. to describe this to someone, right, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um. I don't know that it was Savannah necessarily. I mean, um, we were, Ted and I were listening to like a lot of uh, like John Brown's Body and Dispatch and 311 and Incubus and stuff like that. And the, But also like we're listening to, we, we both kind of got into the police at that time and the clash and I mean we're we were already like big reggae fans to begin with but band the kind of like the bands that I just mentioned that kind of like uh take the reggae influence and then add it to you know some harder rock is kind of what we were into um but I I would say mainly out of all those bands John Brown's Body was the most important because they were doing they were doing reggae in a whole new way that we had never heard before and it kind of kind of blew our minds okay i'm actually not familiar with them uh yeah i'm gonna have to check that out am i missing out are we missing out on something i think so um (laughs) they're yeah they're from uh they're based out of like northeast like ithaca new york i think starting out and they've had tons of members over the years but um their album their one album in particular it's called spirits all around us that was like a really like futuristic kind of proggy dub take on reggae and um that that definitely that album was a huge influence on ted and i when we were starting the band i'm sold for sure <laughs> yeah dude I, I i love the whole like you know the thing that fascinates me the most about like the reggae scene and i guess like more specifically the american reggae scene and why i think i'm so drawn to it is it it, it all starts with the upstroke but then the way everyone builds something new around it is incredible just when you think you can't get another combination another fusion style you you do yeah exactly you know what i'm saying yeah because like chris is like i definitely like reggae but chris likes reggae more than i do for sure and he was always showing me reggae bands and reggae songs i'm like yeah it's cool like it's reggae whatever it's awesome and then he played me i don't remember which song it was first from your album vines and i was like wait a minute this isn't reggae 
And he's like, yes, it is. And I'm like, okay, then I definitely <laughs> fuck with reggae because this shit is sick. Like Steam Rising, <laughs> Thanks, that's bro. That's awesome. That shit blew my mind. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. I mean, that's, again, though, that's like barely reggae, but um, for some reason we're able to kind of exist in that genre. Like, I think um, I think our earlier stuff was, was a lot... Uh, a lot more reggae than it is now, but I don't know. We have a pretty good mix on every, on every album, but yeah, I don't know. I I'm thank I'm really thankful that the scene has kind of embraced us, even though we're, you know, as I said, we're like barely in there. <laughs> well, actually, actually, you know, we've been speaking about the scene a lot and I kind of want to talk about it more from like an outsider's perspective. So you, you guys have been a band for like what, roughly 15 years or so you said? Yeah, 16, I think. It'll be 17 in February. Okay, so so listening to other interviews and, and like, you know, like Howie's podcast and whatnot, when, when he has people on, it kind of seems like, at first, this was a real gamble for all of you guys, like, like 10, 15 years ago, being in this scene, right? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems like your Cali roots and, and all those festivals weren't really here, like, 10 years ago, and it was yeah, sort of that, very much yeah. so a scene trying to find its footing. And now to me, it's crazy to see where it's, where it's gone. You know, like what was that like being a part of this from, I would say the ground, the ground up, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never really thought of it like that. I mean, I always felt like, uh, the West coast was pretty established. Like there was a lot of bands like us on the West coast and not hardly any at all on the East coast. Um, I don't know. We never, when we started the band, we didn't really think about, whether or not we were in a scene like we just kind of i don't know we just wanted to make the music that i don't know we just we didn't think about it basically yeah yeah i hear <laughs> um, you but um as it as we grew and we kind of we kind of met other bands that sort of were doing a similar thing then we became aware of it but yeah i guess we were kind of in on the ground floor um i don't know i i I never really thought about it, but like I said, the California thing was already happening and had been happening for a while. And I feel like, um, I don't know, we were, we were accepted into that pretty easily. So I don't know. I don't remember your question now, but the show's just called talking and that's all we're it's doing. It's just called talking. I know like, see, I would, if, if I was to stay in the hardcore scene or whatever, still be there. If I got asked that question, I would think like, wow, this is such like an interviewer's question to ask. Because <laughs> you don't think about it like that. No, but, that's a good uh, question, though. Well, like, you know, like what was those, what were those early days like? Uh, it was just like try to play as many shows as we possibly could around Savannah at whatever bar would let us set up. And then, and then slowly, you know, we'd branch out to neighboring towns like Statesboro. There's a college there and like we'd drive all the way to Columbus or Augusta or Macon or like St. Simon's Island or whatever, you know, pretty much anywhere that would have us. And, and we were still in school though, so we didn't get too serious about it. And then, uh, like 2006, we did our first East coast tour with the movement and, um, we were kind of hooked after that, but yeah, the early days were just like house parties and bars and just jamming for fun. And I don't know that any of us thought that we would be 
you know, doing it for a living at some point. Yeah. I mean, do you ever have like a, a pinch me moment? You yeah, know, something like sure. that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've had a lot of those moments. Definitely. I mean, I don't know the fact that anyone gives a shit about what we do or comes to see us. I mean, kind of still blows my mind, but yeah, yeah we've had that. a lot of those moments when you get, I don't know, when you get noticed by bigger bands or whatever, you get asked to open for people or you get to do a big festival slot you have you have those moments over and over again. Like I'm sure for you when you said the 311 earlier, you dropped them and, and then doing the cruise, right? That must have been... Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was that was surreal. I was obsessed with them in high school and never in a million years did I ever think that we'd get to open for them. Or, Especially on you know, a cruise ship. On their cruise or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Wild. That, that, that must be incredible, man. I mean, ex- except if you hit it some rough waters. Surreal. but Yeah, but they <laughs> planned that out well enough. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But dude, we actually played a show in uh, Statesboro. Um, we we kind of really? had a we had a similar uh, trajectory. Which one was Statesboro? The Birdhouse. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Whoa. so uh, before so so we're in like a pop rock band now. Um, but before we did that, it was sort of like me doing like a, a solo folk thing. And I mean, you know the deal. Everyone's so taught. that wasn't that wasn't the stash when you went to Statesboro. That was it, well, it was. I don't know what we were that night because <laughs> the, the tour flyer said Christian Ivanko and company. And then every night we were saying Christian Ivanko and something else. Like some nights it was like Christian Ivanko and the stash. And then it was Christian Ivanko and the satellites. Christian Ivanko and the dirty mic and the boys. Like, you know. <laughs> so I don't know which one we were that night, but not officially the stash. It, it was basically like, you know, like I was in this hardcore band. It had broken up. And so I was like sad and whatever. And I wanted to just like... I was split in time, like with a screamer, and I was the singer, and I was like, you know what, man, I just kind of yeah. want to sing the whole time. So, yeah, the the guy at the uh, the acoustic, the the show with the acoustic guitar gets talked over all the time. So I was like, fuck, I need a band, and uh, I was like very scarred, you know. My band had broken up. I was in it for five years. Didn't want to play with anyone again. So they were just sort of like my live members to help me bring it to life. And it was cool. It was like, we were doing what you guys did. Exactly. This was why I thought of it. Um, on our breaks from college, you know, I was in a community college up by us and we had the one winter break and the one summer break. And for like two years, we did like two tours a year. Mm-hmm. every. And it was always with yeah. a punk band. It was always with the punk band. Cause that's <laughs> who I still knew. And, uh, we, we played yeah. in, uh, this, this, this living room. Uh, yeah. Well, slash so, sunroom. so it was, it was a frat house, but, we pulled up and there's this huge frat house that first we pull into this driveway and they're like, the, just a whole bunch of dude bros come out and they're like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, aren't yeah. we playing here? And they're like, nah. And then we look to our right and there's this really tiny house and a dude comes out. He's like, it's over here. And we're like, oh, okay. Oh. And then it's like six guys living in this house. Each of them has a dog and they throw shows in their living room. And it was honestly pretty sick, but I was just like, how does this, like, how do you sustain this? Until at night when <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the then, flying cockroaches came then out. Then the flying cockroaches come out in droves. Those are palmetto bugs. Oh, okay. Oh, we're getting learned. People. <laughs> They're still awful, though. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Dude, I, I couldn't take it, man. Like, I was sort of... They're basically the same thing. Yeah, Chris, <laughs> Chris and our guitarist had to sleep in the van, and uh, me and our drummer braved the inside of the house with one of the dogs. It, oh, my God. It was too much, dude. Like, I don't know how you guys handled oh, that. Oh, but the like, show was amazing. We that I mean, we did exactly what you're describing for years, just staying in weird people's houses and with, you know, dogs and pet hair everywhere, and then roommates that weren't aware that a band would be staying and like <laughs> just 
bad, bad, sketchy places. Yeah. Or like you're like, hey man, is it cool if we stay at your house? He's like, yeah man, it's cool. I got room for like five people when you get there. And like what he means is like, yeah, the couch, you know, has got room for one. And then there's like definitely ample floor space. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, okay. Yeah. It's always plenty of floor space. So so let there's me never, add. There's never five beds. <laughs> I mean, look, the, we're still in this part. It's it's fun. And, you know, we're making the best of it. We, we haven't toured in a while because we're just sort of like trying to gather our resources and whatnot. But when does that like... Not that I'm not having fun, and I don't want to sound like to anyone listening who's like, oh, dude, he's so not punk rock anymore, but like, when does that stop? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it is kind of, it gets old. My, my back can only take so many hardwood floors. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Uh, I don't know. I mean, eventually, eventually you'll get so fed up with it, you're just like, you'll, you'll reach a breaking point, and then you'll start like springing for hotels. <laughs> So it sounds like you're not quite there yet, but no, we're could, far from it. Could it. Happen. Kind of sounds like happen. sounds like we're that's like, like a blessing and a curse. <laughs> I mean, you're, there's there will be a point where you're just gonna fucking lose it if you have to stay on one more floor or whatever. <laughs> and at that point, you will book a hotel room. For us right now, we do like the whole one hotel a tour thing. When we just when we really need like that that peace of mind and it's like okay everyone woke up a little cranky today and there was no reason for it last night was good yeah you know (laughs) yeah and luckily we've pretty much only done the east coast so we know enough people now that we at least ninety percent of the time have like a solid place we can at least drive an hour due to sleep Mm -hmm. yeah we did that forever but we kind of but after a while we kind of felt like we might be wearing out our welcome you know and so. And we wanted to be able to uh, stay with those people again at some point, if if need be. So we started to phase it out. But but yeah, I mean, do that as long as you can. <laughs> That's key. Very true. We're trying to trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, like you know, like a lot of our friends who listen are sort of like Andrew and I's peers who, who aspire to hopefully one day be in a place that like you, you, bands like you and Bally who are at, you know, like. doing the thing and and having the wheels turning so like is there anything that you you maybe ever think about where you're like damn if i could tell like any young artist right now what i've learned in like 16 almost 17 years of being in the same band like i'd really want to tell them this oh man there's a there's a lot of stuff i mean i feel like pacifier learned all the lessons the hard way you know um i don't know there's so many things like <clears throat> if you're ever in a, a management situation and you, you're like having second thoughts about whether or not this person is doing a good job at any point, um, get rid of them. Like, don't don't wait. I'm not saying this happened to us, but like, you know, don't like trust your gut when it comes to people in your team. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're ever having any any doubts or second thoughts about is this person really doing as much as they could possibly be doing for us, then, then get rid of them and find somebody else. Yeah. Um, that, that would be one thing. I feel like I just brought the mood down big time. No, no, that's, no, no, that's no. honestly really good. That's kind of reminds me of, um, I don't remember what interview it was, but someone asked Taylor Swift, like if you could tell young Taylor Swift one thing, what would it be? And she said, get a good lawyer. I'm like, yeah, that's that's one of those <laughs> real her, things yeah. that like, I, mean, I guess for anyone, but yeah, it's like one of those yeah. things. It's like yeah. that's like the real advice that you don't really know about until it happens. 
And it's like one of those things where like, listen, man, I don't want to tell you that your manager's not doing a good job, but like if you feel like he's not doing a good job, then he might not be doing a good job. Yeah, but the problem is, I and I say that because you won't you won't know until it's like years later, and you're like, you know, what the fuck have we been doing this whole time? And you're like, oh, this is what a good manager does. <laughs> yeah, not that any manager is bad, but like, and because and you know, you think you every you and everyone on your team thinks that they're doing everything that can be done, so you're like you know, you're fine with it. And it's not till much later on you realize that, oh, that's definitely not the case. And you had your, you had your doubts, but you just kind of, you know, squashed them, but you should have listened to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's damn. Thank I mean, I just want to say thank you for that. That's, that's like, cause I, I, you know, I've been reading a lot of like books and I listen to a lot of interviews trying to, you know, soak up the knowledge, man. Like I, even though I'm not in school anymore, like I love the student mindset and it's, it's very rare that you get something that direct and that straightforward. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something else, but, um, well, on the flip side of that, like, yeah. do you think, uh, do you think, and have you seen a lot of people who maybe jump to getting a management, a management or an agent too soon? Like the fear of not having representation. Do you think that that is a real thing? And like, if so, is that something that like you guys maybe struggle with or, or how, how has that been like observing that? Um, I've definitely the booking agent too soon. The problem with getting a booking agent is like, I don't know. By the time you're able to get get one, you don't you don't need one, you know, because you will have booked all your own shows, you've booked all your own tours, you've made all your own contacts, and you can you know you can book tours on your own. It's only it's only then that agencies will even bother looking at you. So you know, there's like a catch twenty two there. So. Yeah, I've seen a lot of bands try to get booking agents like way before they've had any history built up. You know, like agents kind of want to see that you have done the work yourself. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because why else would they want to try and get you that opening spot if you're not worth even like five tickets, let alone like probably the hundred or one fifty that you'd need to bring to the. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, they're like, why are we going to have you on the show? You've never even been to this town type deal. True. Damn. Yeah. Well, Hey, so <laughs> I guess being, I mean, uh... we did, we did all this stuff <laughs> by the way, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You said so... that past fire learned it the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Now with that being said, was there ever a time where you guys were like, you know what? This is pretty hard. Maybe being a band isn't the right career path. Like, was there any, ever any like doubts for this being like the main focus or is it always just like well this sucks but we're gonna keep going i mean there's there's been a lot of tough times we always said like we would stop when things kind of plateaued out or whatever but i mean we uh like not this i guess it was last year we kind of took off the road just because we were completely fried and we kind of needed a reset and during that time um, you know, I was definitely kind of worried about like, was this the right thing to do or, or like, should we be taking a break because of all the momentum we'll lose and everything. But, um, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, there's a lot of those moments. 
but then you'll play a good show and you'll forget about all of it. Right. And I wanted to ask you about that because it seemed like you guys sort of took that, that break only like, and correct me if my timeline's wrong, but like what, only 10 months after the album had just dropped? Uh, yeah, I guess it was. I never really thought about it like that. Um, yeah, we did, but we also felt like whatever the album was going to do, like, you know, it, it did it like we kind of felt like it, I don't know, like it, it reached its peak and, um, yeah. So that was all, you know, that was also kind of a disappointing thing. Yeah. We thought, I don't know. We thought long shot would, uh, it, it, it didn't do bad at all. Don't get me wrong. But like, we thought it would, we thought it would do more. You know, so when it didn't really live up to our expectations, you know, I think that definitely, you know, that definitely factored into our decision. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't I can't speak to it, obviously, from an internal perspective, but. As, as a listener, me, right, I come from more of, like, the melody-driven pop side. And like I said earlier, I think your band very much so has, like, two sides to it. And so for me, I really enjoyed the dip more into, like, the pop song structure. And obviously you still had, like, the heavy guitar and, and all that that you normally have. But so for me, I really enjoyed that. But did you sort of feel that maybe, like, it, it was a bit of, like, a weirder reception from the fan base? Or is this, like, a personal sort of viewing of it where you're saying it didn't do as much as you had wanted it to do? I think it was more personal. I mean, I, f I feel like our fans love that album, and I do, and we do too. But, yeah, personally, I think, I don't know. I don't want to, I'm not trying to shit on that record at all. Like, I think just personally, we were just totally burnt. So, Yeah. Well, you know, I that think happens. the fan. I think the fans loved it, though. I mean, it's a great album. Yeah, yeah. Find I, my way, Rapunzel. You can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. The more pop side again, but like you know. Hey man, I, I'm not going to apologize for what I like. All right. No, no, no one says you have to. <laughs> Listen, I like pop music and I like Pacifier. All right, I'll die on that hill. <laughs> wow. All right. Thank well. you. I appreciate it. Hell yeah! No there problem. you go. Man. Well, we've been talking about Pacifier a lot, but. The rest of the guys aren't here, so let's talk about you a little bit. I know that you do other stuff besides play drums in this band, because you said you went to a school of music and art. So let's talk about the art. Yeah, it was mainly art school, but I went to school for uh, illustration. So whenever I'm not on the road, I do you know a lot of freelance illustration work and design work. Was that like what you wanted to do before Pacifier started? Like you weren't thinking of being in a band? You were like, yeah, I could definitely just be an artist for a living. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do, you know, commercial art and do like editorial stuff. But once I got in a band and I saw that, you know, like we needed shirt designs and flyers and album covers and then, you know, all of our, a lot of our friends needed that stuff too. I kind of geared myself towards that. So have you done all of Pacifier's artwork stuff? Um... I've done some, I've done a couple of the covers and I've done, you know, a handful of merch designs over the years and some posters, but, um, no, not all of them. Okay. And is this like a, do you have a website or something that people just contact you or it's just kind of word of mouth? Like people are like, someone's like, oh yeah, Nick did this. And then people are like, oh sick. Can you tell them that I want this done? And then you just do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have a website, nickkubley.com and then people find me on Instagram as well. 
but and then you know just word of mouth well there you go through, through old bands yeah hey people listening this guy makes art and if you need art this guy can make <laughs> you up. art well i gotta i gotta i gotta ask you this man how do you go from like you know from what what point do you start illustrating and then at what point in your life do you start playing drums like i'm just i want to get the timeline here you know um i kind of started playing drums when i was probably 15 or so and then i mean i always liked i always liked making art and that's kind of what i excelled in in school and i always knew i kind of wanted to do something art related and then drums was just something i did for fun and playing you know playing in the bands in school and stuff but yeah going into college like art was definitely my main focus and i didn't think that i would you know be in a band or anything Wow, that's cool. I mean, what, how'd you feel about, because like I did creative college, but selfishly in the back of my head, I was like, I- I'm literally just here to appease the parents who are letting me live rent free <laughs> until until the band takes off and does something, you know, but I, yeah, so right. I never went into school for the right reason. So what was that like, like going into creative school for the right reason? Because there's obviously a lot of backlash against it. People, you'll hear like, this is from your uncle at Thanksgiving, right? This isn't a real degree and all that stuff. You know, the hypotheticals, but it happens, so. It does. Um, Luckily, I had, you know, luckily I have really supportive parents and they were all about it. So, you know, and also it was like... (laughs) you're probably not going to get into a regular college. So maybe you should think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to love the tough love, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I would imagine that they're really supportive since both of their sons are in the same reggae band, you know? Well, quote yeah, unquote reggae. To, uh, yeah, they were surprisingly cool about us, you know, basically plucking Will right after high school to be in the band. You know, we had to ask my parents' permission to ask him to join the band and they uh you know they were hesitant at first but they let it happen and the rest is history <laughs> how, how do they feel about it now do they come out to the shows and yeah yeah no they're 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 good with it that's cool yeah they're happy now was he like into music and into all that stuff before joining the band or was it kind of like yo we like you pick up this bass and learn it so we can we can play music together because i've definitely <laughs> like the heard classic, of classic yeah, make it make your best friend play bass just because they're your friend yeah exactly it happens <laughs> in a lot of bands it happened in our band it happened in it's our happened band in other bands you know i'm I mean, just curious yeah, he wasn't he was he was definitely way into music but he wasn't necessarily a bass player but yeah. um that happens so often but yeah he was he was into it though luckily it's so weird because like bass is honestly a really cool instrument but i guess it's like it's not very appealing to kids yeah, it gets yeah. It's like it all all the kids just want to play guitar, or piano, or if they have or if they have ADD, then they want to play drums. You know, that was why I did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I need to yeah. burn some energy, and my dad's like, you could take drum lessons. I'm like, great, yeah, that I sounds dope. Yeah, now that I think about it, I don't know too many bassists that like started solely on bass. You know, I, I know a lot of them in like our local like jazz school. <laughs> that's well, yeah, like that's, you know that's like, just, yeah. well, that, I mean, that's like the yeah exactly yeah. that's like the only ones i know though yeah. the rest of them are like oh man i joined the band like last so i guess i can't yeah. play guitar yeah <laughs> mine was like i think in Whoever my joins the band last yeah you are the bass player um i feel like i think the first instrument besides you know like my baby drum when i was like one i think i took bass lessons when i was like nine but then the guy who was teaching me bass like took a trip to China for an undisclosed amount of time, so I stopped taking bass lessons. Wow. And then I just didn't care. And then I played 
I was forced to play violin in middle school, and I was like, why are you making me play this? I want to play clarinet. And then I just started playing <laughs> drums. And then I started playing drums, and then Chris was like, hey, you said you play bass, right? I was like, uh, yeah. You did say that. I, I was like, yeah, yeah, I've, pl- I've played the bass. And he's like, all right, you should join my band. And I'm like, ooh, Dude, the, not a good idea, but okay. <laughs> the funniest shit was before Andrew actually, like, when we were just my name and um, they were just the live members, I shot a video and Andrew was one of the only guys that's in the stash right now who was in that video. But uh, all we used to work at the same job. We used to work at Lowe's together. And my dad also worked there. He got us the job. And so... Um, <laughs> All those people would come up to Andrew on the clock and be like, "Dude, you're such a good bass player," because they didn't realize that you just like mime was, over the music. Yeah, video. I learned. I learned the notes maybe two minutes before we started filming, and my bass was not plugged in. No, it's a music <laughs> video. And everyone was like, "Man, you really killed that." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty. Until you make it, I'm pretty good at dancing, I guess." <laughs> True. Dude. You definitely fake it till you make it. So uh, we we have like a little bit of time left. Um, we got like quite a bit of fan questions. I think if you're if you're up to answering some stuff. Yeah, for sure. I was wondering if you got any or not. It looked like those posts. No one responded to them, but I guess they yeah. sent directly to you. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, all, yeah. No. They're all behind the curtain, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's but, definitely but, uh, a nice little handful. We we appreciate the cool. effort, man. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, of course. Let's see. This first one is from Trisha K, and she says, "Now that you have a baby." Congrats, and Ted is married. Where do you see the band in the future? Slowing down or same type of tour schedules that you've had? Um, I first, mean, first of all, congrats on the baby. Yeah, congrats. Oh, That's huge. You. Appreciate it. Um, I don't think we'll slow down. I think, I think we might, we'll probably tour a little bit less than we have in the past. At least, you know, at least for a little while. Um, you know, especially while my daughter is, you know, brand new and like, you know, less than a year old. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to put like a definite, definite time on it, but we'll, yeah, we'll probably scale, scale back the shows a little bit, but I mean, we're not going to slow down. We're, we're, we have a bunch of new music that we want to put out and, um, I don't know. It's full steam ahead. I mean. I mean, but it's, steam rises. But at the same, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't see us doing like, you know, a two month long tour anytime soon. I, I, like, when we were, when we were taking our time off that last year, um, you know, we still did a handful of shows here and there. So, I think it'll be, I think it'll be similar to that, but. Can't 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 keep you guys away too long. Yeah, we'll do more shows than that. But I think starting out while we ease into this, while I'm like you know figuring out fatherhood and what that's going to be like, we'll probably take it a little bit easy. Word. Yeah, rock on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, this one is a little less serious of a question, but I'm (laughs) still going to ask it. Uh, Alexandria Hickman asks, "Hey, Nick." If Pacifier were a candy bar, which one would it be and why? That's a good question. Oh That's a good question. <laughs> it's a real thought provoker. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just going to say Snickers because that's my favorite candy bar. And I guess, uh, you know, all the wonderful elements that make up a Snickers bar, that could be that could be the four of us. I mean, Snickers satisfies. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a really smart answer. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with that. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Instagram user Hallelujah Twenty One has two questions. First I think, question. I think her name's Holly too. Holly. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, yeah, good memory, Chris. Yeah. I figured would, you knew. It, that's why I wanted to say that. <laughs> would you spend a year as a share impersonator for one million dollars? <laughs> that's a good question. Is that it? That's, that's the question. That's the first question. <laughs> for a million dollars? That's yeah. some serious method acting. I mean, I don't. I don't know, but I also like. I don't think that means that you're share for an entire year. I think it's just like you know, you're the impersonator, so like you go to gigs and like be share for like an hour or two. I'm taking that as you live, breathe, and eat. No, share. that's no, that's like. Do you want to pretend to be share for a year? A share impersonator is a job. Oh, like There's the Elvis, Elvis okay, impersonators, okay, 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 Michael yeah, Jackson impersonators. Yeah, I, I mean that's a lot of money. So, I mean, you just had a baby. I mean, do it for her, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anything about share or her music. All you need to know is that they are all hits. You're gonna live forever, man. True. That's true. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and the second I question. Mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I get. I feel like you'd have to. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's not that hard of a job. Like yeah, you would have for to. a million dollars. You, you know, it to. can't be that hard. Yeah, just not do some shows. Not to diss any share personators. I'm sure y'all kill it. But <laughs> just saying, you know, there's not <laughs> a lot of things on the list hard, you need actually. to do. It probably is. There's probably a Reddit. Well, tab for to be it good too, at it, I'm sure is really hard. But just to yeah. accomplish it, it's not that difficult. Yeah, I'm definitely not in a position to turn down a million dollars, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can figure something out. Okay, man. And the second question: If you were a wrestling duo with Will, what would your signature duo move be? <laughs> oh man, I this would be a better this would be a better question for Will because he was like he was way into wrestling back in the day. Well, um, maybe you should call him. Man. <laughs> he's, at, he's actually at my house right now. But uh, I mean, if you so want to ask him, I could tech, I could technically ask him. <laughs> it's up to you, but if you think you could answer it, it's uh, you know it's all in good fun. I mean, you could just make up a move right now. He could hit well, someone in the head. The he moves. could hit someone in the head with a bass, and then you could just cover them with a bass drum. You know, call it the yeah, bass to bass. People, yeah, bass, bass to the face, and then they land inside of a giant drum. I don't know. It's, I mean, uh, listen, I would watch the shit you know, out of that wrestling kind of, match. Some, yeah, some kind of tag team like clothesline situation. I don't know. I don't know any wrestling moves. I'd have to think about that. We'll just do a tag team clothesline into a bass drum that has a bass guitar in it. Yeah, the thing is, there's only like one tag team <laughs> match, like a whole three hour WWE event, so you don't really get many of like. Yeah, it's and it's not I, in my memory. Yeah, I used to watch a show. And shit I feel like there's not that many like signature duo moves where it's like these two right. guys always do this move. It's like each guy has their own thing. So, as someone who used to be super huh. into it, I think like the bass to the bass thing is. That, that that's not bad. See, I mean, that's kind of cool because in my brain, and this is just this is just me spitballing. Feel like it would be like Will would be a wrestler and he does the bass guitar thing on his own, and you're a wrestler and you do the bass drum thing on your own, and then you guys come together and you put them together, and the fans are like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> they're doing the bass and the drum. They're doing the doing. They're doing oh both bass things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think th I think that, that would be a, that would be a pretty high demand pay per view event. Hmm. That would. That's just me. Yes. Now. Um, I only have a picture of this question, so I don't remember who what his real name is, but it's Brasquatch from. Oh, uh, Derek from uh, Tropodelic asks. Oh, Derek, um, yes. 
So he asked a few questions. Um, I guess we'll start with like we'll start with the more serious one, and uh, he he sort of they deteriorate as we he, go along. He went and a I like off his, the rails. I like his order. So I guess what's your favorite song to play live? Um, probably Submersible. Um, yeah, I just love playing that song live. The the big like, uh, I don't know. The instrumental part at the end where we all go nuts and there's a lot of crazy stuff happening on the drums. Like I, I think about it a lot. Like every time we do it, I'm like, I don't know. I just I fucking love this. Like yeah. this song is great. I love playing it. Got to go back and listen and to the happen, live version that happen, of that one. That, happen, that happens almost every time. Nice. Yeah. So I would say submersible. And you've been playing that one for a while too. So that's that's yeah, uh, that's forever. inspiring to hear. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I haven't got tired of it yet. The next question he asks is, <laughs> oh, man, uh, would you rather make out with Ellen DeGeneres or Oprah Winfrey? <laughs> now, don't answer too quickly. This is an important question. That's a tough one. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to unpack here. He didn't say you I had mean, to give your reasons why, but if you yeah, want there's, to, no one's Yeah, you. there's no, no need to elaborate. <laughs> You don't have to make out with them forever. It's probably just once. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Oprah, I guess. Okay. I mean, Ellen probably wouldn't be into it, you know. She's that, that's the, that's what I thought. Everything. That's what I thought when I read it. I was like, Ellen doesn't wouldn't even really want to be there. You so. immediately thought right. Oprah. Well, I just immediately thought not Ellen, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, not Ellen. Ellen. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, you're, you're, you're definitely a good sport for answering that These are that great one. questions, by the way. Oh, good. I'm glad <laughs> you're right. them. I feel like He's, I'm letting people down. Like, no. Good, no. A good wrestling move. Listen, you know, I picked Oprah. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I thought that wrestling move was pretty sick. <laughs> and I didn't it, even really come up with it, though. Yeah, but you're the one doing it, so who cares? True. Yeah, it's, it's true. you yeah, know, it's like true. you're the one delivering the lines. Um. So, so the last one that he asks is: Would you rather wear a fedora hat every moment for the rest of your life, or lose all ability to use correct grammar and spelling? You remain intelligent enough to know you sound stupid, just no ability to rectify it. Word for word, he, by the way. He really either thought that, that question wear, through. That or wear a fedora. Yeah, wear a fedora I mean, every moment for the rest of your life. You can never take it off. Or you always sound like you don't know how to talk, but you know in your brain that you're speaking incorrectly. Yeah, you just can't fix it. It's, it sounds terrifying. So it's basically either look kind of dumb all the time or sound kind of dumb all the time. I don't know. I don't want to wear a fedora, so I guess I would just go with sounding kind of dumb all the time. Wow. Chris and I had... Like I already uh, sound kind of dumb a lot of the time, so it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I picked I picked the I, I picked uh, sounding dumb all the time, too, because I said, what am I, good Charlotte on our comeback tour? <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do that yeah, all the time. I don't know. Yeah. I, I picked the fedora, though, because, like, you know, it like the fedora is not... It has a bad rap, but, like, Bruno Mars wears fedoras, so, like, you can definitely pull a fedora off. And you can. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I, I've ever I worn a fedora, I but I would uh, definitely try. Um, now, wow. this I don't one's know if this not is an official question. This isn't really a question, but I um, think it'd be fun since he was the last guest in yeah. crafting our talking podcast universe. The, yeah, uh, but uh, the how how we commented <laughs> on your post and said woohoo! Tell them about your Price Albert. We don't know what that means. I'm assuming he meant Prince Albert, but... Yeah, I, I'm assuming that's what he meant, too. I don't have one of those, but if I did, <laughs> I would tell everyone about it. What is that? 
<laughs> I have no sure. idea. I'm pretty sure it's a dick piercing. Oh. And I feel like <laughs> he got us good. Oh man. I feel like if you're that type of person, you would probably tell everyone about it, and you'd probably wear. A <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the only comment there's one comment from Base Babe 311 that's just three skulls. So maybe she knows something we don't know. And then uh, we, uh, we I don't know what three skulls means. I don't, I don't know, but we we commented we commented and said we'll do, and then how we responded with a laughing face. So maybe he he got us good. He got us good. Well, well played. Yeah, Howie. damn. I mean, yeah, I don't have one, but if I did, I don't know that I would. I don't know. You probably, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you wouldn't tell anyone about it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I honestly, I know, for the record, I won't be giving out any names. I do know someone who has one of those. And it's not something he openly brags about, oh, but God. he has mentioned it to me. My mom he was uh, it big time. I don't know. I don't think he regrets it because I feel like he would take it out. But he's just like, yeah. I mean, Ugh. it's there. I'm like, whatever, bro. That's fucking gross. My mom Agreed, was really but... enjoying this episode until she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Dad. But uh, so, so we actually have a set question we like to ask all guests on the show before we let you go here. And you've been a great sport. Thank you for uh, being a part of the show, man, and uh, for taking yeah, some time. Of course, for taking some time out of your day to chat with us. If you had to describe yourself in one word, and then you can elaborate on this later, as like a creative, an artist, like a, a, an entrepreneur, like what, what, what's the first word that comes to mind? Uh, that's tough. One word to describe myself creatively. Oh, man. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, determined, I guess. I don't know. Okay, I, I like, like that. Uh, I feel like I'm always striving to, I'm always trying to push myself. And like, whenever I look back on art that I did a while ago, I'm like, God, that's fucking terrible. And I just want to get better. So I basically just want to get better at art all the time. So I don't know what word you would use to convey that but i would i would say practice or improvement maybe i think the ter- yeah, yeah determined yeah. i mean determination is yes yeah. yeah positive hell yeah dude well so before yeah. we let you go we just wanted to uh you know ask you about the new song you guys just dropped especially since we're going to be playing it at the end of this episode mm-hmm. oh perfect um yeah it's called keeping on um it's the first song that we recorded just all on our own at ted's house and his new uh studio set up and um I don't know. It's my favorite song that we've done, honestly. I think. I mean, I'm really, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, honestly, and, uh, I think it's my favorite too. Yeah, <laughs> it especially is good, yeah. like, thank you. Um, I don't know. I feel like it encompasses every, you know, everything that we're about, and um, yeah, I'm just really proud of it that we, you know, did it completely independently on our own, and we didn't have to go to like. A major studio to do it and um that that feels really good yeah i mean i'm um, i'm definitely not like in a completely shocked way but i'm surprised to hear that you guys did it at ted's house all by yourself because it sounds like better arguably than like any of the other recordings that i've heard yeah, from you guys it's really good wow it's really I, impressive. yeah i think so too and i mean like will and ted have gotten really good at, at their knowledge of engineering and, and recording and they they spent a lot of time on it and um 
I'm thankful for that, that they know how to do all that stuff. Cause I don't know anything about that. Yeah. That, that, I'm, like, I'm in the same boat as technical. you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about mics or recording or pro tools or any of that shit. So. Well, well, Nick, man. So, so basically <laughs> here, here, here's like, I mean, I'm going to go off on this tangent. I don't want to keep you too long. I'll, I'll wrap it up soon. Um, like the, the thing about, not not just the music is it about the reggae scene that inspires me right like we tried we have a song called how to live it's got like a slight undertone and we may revisit that it was a little yeah. you know it it, it doesn't come as naturally naturally as me to write, but like the the thing that like there's also a lost ska song we released somewhere out there on the internet. <laughs> that is true, but like the thing that you should bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we'll if, send if it we to open you, for you, we'll definitely play it. <laughs> but uh, like no, but seriously, like the thing about your scene that I think really resonates with me and and makes the music even stronger to me as a listener is like just the the hard work that you guys all put in. It's so inspiring, man. Like if you take a look at like Howie, like a past guest to the show, you know, he just released, recorded his own EP. He's doing a solo tour on top of all that he does in Ballyhoo. You are constantly writing and creating with your, your own illustrations and graphic design work, as well as like being in a full-time band. And, and having and a baby. And for the most part, you guys really are doing it all yourself. Like there isn't really a label backing the majority of you, your, your, your scene. You know, it's, it's like, obviously you have like team members, but it, it really is all in-house and i just want to like let anyone listening like who because you know people sometimes hear reggae and they're instantly like hmm, maybe not my thing well there's more to it especially if you're a musician because this it's like some of the most hardworking and inspiring conversations i think we've had on the show and things that i've learned just like being a fan so you know like th- thanks for like being so open and honest on this chat and just like for just continuing the grind because like that is so impressive that you guys recorded this all yourself it sounds phenomenal and the sky's the limit if you just put your mind to it is what i'm getting from this this conversation you know yeah for sure i mean any i don't know anybody can do it like it just it's a lot of fucking hard work it's an incredible amount of work but i mean you mentioned howie he's a perfect example like nobody works harder than that dude yeah i forgot what i was gonna say but hard work pays off hard work pays off it can be done for sure Hell yeah, dude. And with that being said, we'll let you go. Thank you again for your time. Expect to see Pacifier on the road in 2020. Is there going to be more new music on the way that people can get ready for? Yeah, we'll be putting out another single in the next uh, month or two. And yeah, we've got, I don't know, we've got three or four songs uh, in various stages, getting them ready to go. And they'll be out in the next, you know, in the first part of 2020. So, yeah. And then hopefully uh, we find some time to record a new album. Sweet. And real quick, where can everyone find you and the band on the internet and everywhere that matters? Uh, my website is com, and pacifiers is pacifier.com. And then, of course, we're on Instagram and Facebook and all that. Cool. Hell yeah, man. Well, have a great holiday season to you and your family. And, you know, thank you again so much for being a part of our show, dude. It was great to to chat with you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great. For sure, man. Have a good one, dude. You too. Someday, rocks start to shatter and the sky.